We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, let's just avoid politics for the day. Let's ignore the news and let's focus on something that is not just contemporary, not just immediate, but something that is immutable, unchangeable something that is eternally significant and important. Let's answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. So yesterday, I shared with you a passage out of St. Paul's epistle to the church in Colossia. It's called the Letter of Paul to the Colossians. It's in the New Testament. And it's one of the shorter epistles of Paul, one of the shorter communiques to the early church. And I shared with you something that I think is critically important. And as I said in the introduction, let's just be done with the political debates of the day. Let's not talk about all the contentious crap that's going on in our culture. Let's talk about something that never changes. Let's talk about the definition of God. Let's talk about who Jesus Christ is. It's Good Friday. We're preparing for Easter. So let's talk about the orthodox, the eternal, the biblical, the Catholic view, Catholic with a lowercase c, meaning universal view of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about that in the sense of taking a shot at the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. That's not my point. My point is the word Catholic means universal. And the creeds that we have the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed are all creeds for the universal faith, the universal, unchangeable, immutable definition of Christianity and, consequently, the definition of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about that today. That's our singular topic. We're going to answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? What does St. Paul say about Jesus Christ? What does St. John say about Jesus Christ? What does Jesus himself say about Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? Isn't that the most important question that any of us could ask ourselves? And isn't the answer perhaps the most important answer that we could seek? Remember that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, that you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. And remember that my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, is due to be released on April 13th. That's just about a week and a half from now. Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good will be released on April 13th, and you can pre-order it now by going to Amazon.com. Just go to your search engine, DuckDuckGo, or whatever search engine you use, and put in the words, Everett Piper, comma, grow up, and it will bring up that book 
and you can order it now. Please do so. My book deals with this particular question. The last chapter, the conclusion of the book, deals with the exclusivity of Jesus Christ and his claim to be God incarnate. The one and only way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus claimed to be the great I am, and in saying those words, all the Jews that heard him say that were angry with him because they knew that if he were lying, that he was guilty of blasphemy because he just claimed to be Jehovah. He just claimed to be the God of Israel. I am is the way Jehovah described himself to Moses in the burning bush. And Jesus said, before Moses was, I am, thus declaring himself to be God. Let's take an early break so that we can just run through this. I'm going to go back to Colossians, and then we're going to deal with the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. We'll deal with Athanasius himself. I'll give you a little history lesson on him. Let's take a couple minutes and acknowledge our corporate sponsors. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and we will be right back after this break. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So yesterday I read to you a passage out of the book of Colossians. It was chapter 1, verse 15, and then I carried forth from there. Let me read a little bit of that to you again. He is the image of the invisible God. This is in reference to Jesus Christ. By him, Jesus, all things were created. Digest that for just a second. That verse in and of itself says everything you need to know about who Jesus is. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. Jesus is the creator of all things. This means he is God. We worship a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. As I said yesterday, Michael Reeves, in his book, Delighting in the Trinity, an introduction to the Christian faith, describes the Trinity as an eternal fountain, the rock of the Father, the water, the constantly, eternally begotten water of the Son, and then the self-illumination without any need for the sun, the stars, the moon, the self-illumination that is referenced in Revelation of the way it will be in heaven of the Holy Spirit. The rock of the Father, the living water flowing from that fountain, that rock, that fountain, the water constantly, eternally flowing from it, and then the eternal illumination of that fountain through the Holy Spirit. That's the imagery that Reeves used in describing the Trinity. Just consider that, digest it a bit. He is the image of the invisible God, for by him all things were created. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Is this pretty all-inclusive? Is this pretty clear as to who Jesus is? For those who want to put Jesus in some subcategory and claim that the Old Testament God is different than the New Testament God, no, Jesus is the Old Testament God. He created all things. He was before all things. All things are held together by him. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, from the dead, 
the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace with all of us by the blood of the cross. That is the way Paul describes Jesus. And that isn't the only passage. Let's go to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Sound familiar? Sound like John and Paul agree on this? All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's the light. There's the light. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus claims to be God, the great I Am. We are told he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We're told that in Revelation. We're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Thus the conflation of the fountain and the water and the Holy Spirit, the illumination, the self-revelation, the visibility of the triune God. This is critical for us as we go into the... Easter weekend. Michael Reeves' book. Again, the title of the book, pull it up here, Delighting in the Trinity, An Introduction to the Christian Faith. Reeves is very clear in the way he describes the importance of the Trinity to our faith. He says it's the Christian distinctive. Now, this is very critical. The Christian distinctive. He talks about the Athanasian Creed and how it is doubling down on the defense of the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The mystery that Paul talks about being revealed to us through Jesus Christ, that mystery of the triune God. The Athanasian Creed says this, whoever will be saved before all things that is necessary, that he hold the Catholic, lowercase c, that is the church's universal orthodox faith, which faith except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlastingly. In other words, you're doomed if you don't hold to this universal, eternal, unchangeable definition of what the Christian faith is. And what is that faith? It's the faith in God as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He goes and he talks about in 1 Corinthians 15.3 how Christ was before all things. And we've read about that in 1 John, and we've read about that in Colossians. He was before all things. 
which means he was never not there, that Jesus Christ the Son has always been there. Now, this was a critical debate. This was a critical debate in the early church. I'm turning to the passage here on Athanasius and how Athanasius was determined to defend the Trinity. You see, this is the way Reeves describes it in his book. Athanasius stood for the Trinitarian doctrine. At the beginning of the fourth century in Alexandria, in the north of Egypt, a theologian named Arius began teaching that the Son, Jesus, was a created being and that he was not eternal and therefore not truly God. Now, Arius did this because he believed, he believed that God is the origin and the cause of everything. We can agree with that, right? But God is not caused to exist by anything else. In other words, God is the uncaused cause. And he believed, Arius believed, this was the best and basic definition of what God is like. But since the Son, claimed Arius, being the Son, must have received his being from the Father, he could not be, by Arius's definition, God. Does this make sense? It's actually an argument that sounds somewhat logical, right? But you'd have to ignore the Gospel of John, the passages that I just read to you, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that everything was created through the Word. You would have to ignore the passages from Colossians that I just read to you, which said the exact same thing. It talks about the eternal existence of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ, and that he is the creator of everything. So Arius had to somehow get around this. The argument persuaded many, says Reeves. It did not persuade Arius's brilliant young contemporary, however, named Athanasius, because he believed that Arius had started in the wrong place with his basic definition of God. Athanasius dedicated the rest of his life to proving how catastrophic Arius's thinking was for healthy Christian living, says Reeves. Actually, Reeves says that he puts it much too mildly. Athanasius simply boggled at Arius's presumption. How could he possibly know what God is like other than as he has revealed himself? That's the question. How could Arius or you or I possibly know what God is like? How can Don Lemon claim to know what God is like? How can anyone claim to know what God is like other than the way God himself has chosen to reveal himself to us? And we are told that He's revealed himself to us through the word made flesh and dwelling among us. And that Jesus Christ himself is what? The image of the invisible God. That is the way God has chosen to reveal himself. And Athanasius is asking this of Arius. How could God possibly, how could you possibly have any idea what God looks like or what God is like? other than the way he's chosen to reveal himself. 
Athanasius said that it was more pious and more accurate to signify God from the Son and call him Father than to name him from his works. In other words, the argument that God is the uncaused cause of all of the nature and all of the works around us is an interesting argument, and indeed that is true, but God in the triune capacity is the uncaused cause. Not just the singular God the Father, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is the uncaused cause. That is the definition of God as he's chosen to reveal himself. Athanasius spent the rest of his life arguing against Arius' presumption. And as the result of that, we have the Athanasian Creed. It's a longer creed. You have the Apostles' Creed. You have the Nicene Creed. Let's go back and just review those. The Apostles' Creed is the shortest. It's the earliest. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, surrendered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, lowercase c., the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and in life everlasting. Amen. The Apostles' Creed. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all that is seen and unseen. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternal, begotten of the Father. Can you see the definition is getting tighter here? I believe in one God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternal, begotten of the Father. Not, not a time frame, not a point in time, but eternally begotten of the Father, the constant flowing of living water from the rock of the fountain. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one being with the Father. This is the Nicene Creed. Through him all things were made. Jesus Christ. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Did you see? Did you hear? Did you recognize those words in both of the creeds? Jesus will come to do what? Judge. Don't give me this baloney that Jesus is just going to come and give us a big, great big group hug. Kumbaya. We're all going to gather at the resurrection and celebrate our best friend Jesus. He will come again in glory to judge and of his kingdom there will be no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, and who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism,
for, for, for the forgiveness of sins. Not several paths up the summit. Doesn't matter which path you choose. Doesn't matter because they're all going to lead to the same place. No, that's not what this creed says. We believe in one universal church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. Amen. That's the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. I don't have time to read the entire Athanasian Creed because it's long. But I am going to read a couple excerpts from it. Not that the rest of it isn't important, I just have limited time. Remember, Athanasius wrote this in response to Arius's heresy. Arius was claiming that Jesus was not eternal, that he was created at some point in time by God, the uncaused cause. And Athanasius was saying, no, that's not what Paul said. That's not what John said. It's not what Jude says. It's not what Peter says. And it's not even what Jesus said of himself. So Athanasius did what needed to be done. And he returned to the true north of the word of God. And he crafted this creed. Whosoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the faith, which faith except everyone do keep whole and undefiled without doubt, he shall perish everlastingly. And the faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. Listen to this. For there is one person of the Father and another of the Son and another of the Holy Ghost, but the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. Father, uncreated, Son, uncreated, and the Holy Ghost, uncreated. Do you get this? Athanasius is saying the mystery of the Trinity is the definition of Christianity. The Father, incomprehensible. Mystery, we can't comprehend it. The Son, incomprehensible. Mystery, we can't comprehend it. The Holy Ghost, incomprehensible. Mystery, we can't comprehend it. The Father, eternal. The Son, eternal. The Holy Ghost, eternal. This is the Athanasian Creed. Have you ever heard this one before? They are not three almighties, says Athanasius, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. This is in the Creed. This is a direct refutation of Arius. This is a direct refutation of the heresy of dumbing down the definition of Jesus Christ. Many religions could claim that Jesus is a good man. Muslims claim that. Many religions could claim that Jesus was a great prophet and divinely inspired. Again, Islam makes that claim in the Quran. Many 
religions could say that it's by grace that you're saved. Did you know what? Buddhists believe that, that it's by grace that you're saved. Religions that deny the Trinity could claim they believe in the resurrections. Mormons believe in the resurrection. But yet, don't subscribe to the Trinity. And if you're Mormon, I don't mean to offend you, but we need to be honest about the distinctions in our faith, in our religious views. Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witnesses would believe in the sacrificial death of Jesus. So you could believe in the sacrificial death and not believe in the Trinity. You could believe in the resurrection and not believe in the Trinity. You could believe in the prophet of Jesus, the divinely inspired words and teaching, the superior morality of Jesus, and that he's even been ushered into heaven miraculously of Jesus. But none of this would make you a Christian because Muslims believe part of that. Jehovah's Witnesses believe part of that. Buddhists believe part of that. And Mormons believe part of that. Christianity, Christianity is grounded in the Trinity. Christianity holds that on Good Friday, Jesus Christ was executed. Unjustly. A sinless man was put to death through execution, through torture on a Roman cross. They actually pierced his side with a spear to make sure that he was dead. They sealed a tomb to make sure that his disciples could not steal the body and somehow start some cult and claim that he was the Jewish Messiah. And in spite of all of that, making sure he was dead by piercing his side, sealing his tomb after he was buried so that no one could claim that the body wasn't there. On Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the grave. The proof that this story is real, every one of his disciples gave their lives telling that story. Would you have given your life telling that story if you knew it was a lie? If you knew that you made it up, if you knew that you never saw the risen Lord, if you knew that he never stood in the upper room, if you, if you knew that the story of Thomas putting his fingers in, his, in Jesus' wounds on his side and his feet and in his hands, if you knew that was fake, would you have given your life, life for that? The answer is no. This is Easter Sunday, and we're celebrating the great I Am, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God our Savior, and our Lord. Happy Easter. I'm Dr. Piper, and this is The Rebellion.